Kevin kicked us off on our 10-week series of Psalms last week, and he did so by encouraging us all to, at some point in these 10 weeks, write your own psalm. So that's the assignment. And then midweek this week, Mike and Alan and Nick and Hannah put, invited together anyone in our third church family who's uh, a creative artist in different ways. And so we had a gathering on Wednesday night and our worship team is asking anyone who is, has a certain creative outlet, whether that be, I mean, here we've got writers and poets and songwriters and, and theater people and musicians and all sorts of creative people. So the idea is also that at some point we allow the Psalms to inspire us to do something creative in whatever vein we're led or usually do our creative stuff. So if you're a painter, paint, a, paint something inspired by the Psalms. If you're a writer, uh, again, maybe write your own Psalm or a poem on the Psalms, whatever it might be. So today, I'm gonna take, we're in Psalm 40, is, uh, is where we're gonna be in, so grab your, Bible, this Pew Bible's there, it's page 555, if you want to find that, and we'll read it here in just a second, but I want to explain what I'm going to do today. The first thing I'm going to do, uh, kind of two parts to the message. First part is I want to talk a little bit about Psalms, the structure of Psalms, especially as we think about if we're going to write our own Psalm or we're going to do something inspired by the Psalms. I want us to dig in and understand the Psalms a little bit better. So I'm hoping that you'll learn something about the Psalms that you didn't know before. And then the second half of the message, I wanna talk about the structure of community and the structure of connection. So let's, I'd like to put up the third value, core value slide, if we could. And Kevin refers to this all the time. And I want, we've got identity, belonging, purpose, and intimacy as we flourish in exile. So these are what we want, our identity as belonging to Christ. So we have intimacy with God, and then we have belonging to one another. We were created for a relationship, connection with God. He created us because he wanted creation that would choose to be in relationship with him. And then he wants us to be connected to each other and belong to one another. But here's the problem. My experience in the 40 years I've been a follower of Christ is that there are a lot of people, even in in Christian circles, even as disciples of Christ, we sometimes have a hard time being in relationship. And part of it, I think, is that Americans are known to be rugged individualists. That's what Herbert Hoover, the only president from Iowa, call it, rugged individualists. And it comes, I think, out of our history and our culture of of, of when uh, Americans came and scraped life out of the frontier, they had to rely on themselves. They had to become independent. They had to do their own thing and ruggedly survive. Even the people who settled Pella. I don't know if you know this, but when the, the Domini Scolti and the original couple hundred believers came to start the city of Pella, 
They took the Mississippi River up to Keokuk in the southeast corner of Iowa. And do you know how they got here? They walked. Can you believe that? One guy even put his mom in a wheelbarrow and pushed her. I mean, I know people that, hey, they won't park a block away to go pick up their pizza at George's, right? I mean, we don't. So in some ways we may have kind of been losing that, but it's still at heart we're this rugged individualistic society. And I think that's part of it. And then Carl Jung talked about the, the fact that the, all of our stories, our favorite stories all have these different kind of what he called archetypes. And our archetypes tell us a lot about who we are. Well, in America, we love the archetype. I call it the archetype of the lone stranger. Now, the Lone Ranger is one of them. And some of you are old enough to remember the Lone Ranger, right? He come out, somebody's suffering and they come in and wipe out all the bad guys and save the damsel in distress. And then as he's riding off into the sunset, they would ask the question, who was that masked man? We love that. Nobody did the Lone Stranger better than Clint Eastwood. Remember he's the spaghetti westerns that made him famous? And you know, the character didn't even have a name. In fact, in the credits, it says, Clint Eastwood, man with no name. And he would just show up in the middle of this desert town. Same thing, kill all the bad guys. We still use it. Bruce Willis in Die Hard is the lone stranger. We love that archetype. And there's something that we love about rugged, individual, my own man, doing my own thing, going my own way. But then God comes along and says, I want you to be intimate with me. And I want you to belong to others. And I've noticed that there's a lot of people that kind of go, number one, I don't want that. And number two, I don't, even if I did, I'm not sure I know how to do that. And so the I don't want that a lot of times comes out of the fear of I don't know how to do that. So we're going to dig into that a little bit today as we get into Psalm chapter 40. We were created for connection. The, uh, when I was preparing for the Holy Saturday message this uh, past Easter, I did a lot of study on near-death experiences where people die and then they, some people actually go to heaven and then are sent back to their body. And some people have experience of actually going to hell, have a hell type experience and then are sent back. And it's really interesting that the, the folks who've died and gone to heaven, as they describe what it's like, Dr. Mary Neal was in a kayak accident. She was dead for 14 minutes and went to heaven, had all sorts of experiences, and then came back. When she got to heaven, she describes that there was this group of people, it's like a welcoming committee. And she said, I, these people had these bodies, they, yeah, they had bodies, but they were kind of translucent, it's kind of weird, I can't really describe it, but they just exploded with love. And I knew that I knew each of them 
for as long as they existed, and I loved them for as long as they had existed, and I knew that every one of them had known me and loved me as long as I existed, and they had just come to welcome me. And you can't describe the feeling. Another guy died and he said, well, I got to heaven and I've got it, kind of got this body and it's kind of weird, can't really explain it. It's kind of clear, but not, all right? And the guy, all of a sudden I met by one of my childhood friends and he named the guy, he goes, he was in an accident, he was decapitated like in a car accident or something. And he, my friend, and here he was whole and he came running up to me and he embraced me and he said, I don't know how to explain this, but in heaven, you kind of pass through each other. And he said, so his arms kind of went through me. But he said, it was the most amazing, intimate, loving hug. Hugs in heaven are awesome. Your kingdom come. That's the kind of connection that Christ wants us to bring to earth. That love, that intimacy, the hugs, the warmth. I know you and I love you and it radiates off of me and you love me. That's what we're created for, okay? So let's read Psalm 40 real quick. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I love, anybody know you two's song for you? Yeah. I asked Alan to sing it this morning. We didn't, we're not doing that. So I give him a hard time. We often think of hymns as, uh, uh, psalms as these like individual personal experiences with, with David bringing out a really intimate, personal thing, and we, he is in this section, okay? But I want you to notice that it's not just David. Let's go on. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. So David, even though he's writing out of his personal experience, David is always connected to his people. He's always connected to God's people and he sees himself as a part of the whole. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice, offering, you don't desire that, but my ears you've opened. Burnt offerings, sin offerings, you don't require. Then he said, here I am. I have come, it is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. There he is again. It's not just me. Everything that I'm about I bring to the whole, to the assembly, to the people that I'm connected with. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me for troubles without number surround me. 
My sins have overtaken me. I cannot see. They're more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be put back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help, my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So we think of Psalms often as like these very personal devotions kind of thing. We perceive them to be very personal and they are because they communicate something very intimate often, especially in David, from David's heart and his life and his experiences. But Psalms are basically, let's kind of step back and kind of look at Psalms from a larger perspective. The book of Psalms is basically a compilation of song lyrics with liner notes. Now, when I was growing up, uh, you know, when, when you got vinyl records, that's how you listen to your music, you know, what we would do is you'd come home from the store with your, your album, your vinyl, and you'd pull it out and you'd put it on the turntable and then you'd pull out the liner notes. And usually on the sleeve that the, the album was in, they had the lyrics and then they had all these notes about the songs and who played on it. And you'd just sit there and you'd listen to the whole thing and you would read the liner notes. Well, that's exactly what the Psalms are. They're lyrics with liner notes. So if you look at Psalm 40, the liner note is for the director of music of David, a psalm. So once again, it was not just for David, he wrote this as a song to be given to the director of music, to be sung in corporate worship as part of the worship of the entire nation and God's people. So throughout the book, You've got the song, they've got the lyrics, and then usually at the top there's a little liner note. Sometimes it says it was written because of a specific episode or out of something that happened in David's life, he wrote this song. Uh, and it's kind of helpful sometimes because then you can go back and read about that, that story and go, oh, this story is why David wrote this song. Now the book of Psalms was compiled probably about the time that the, the, the people of Israel were in exile in Babylon, we had our exile uh, year a couple years ago, two of them in fact, was usually during that time. And the people who put the book together, they did so in a very structured way. So let's go ahead, uh, we got slide uh, number six, please. Compilation of 150 songs that are arranged in books. There's five different books. So the editors said, all right, book one is Psalm 1 through Psalm 41. And then within that, they placed the psalms in certain order so that the series of psalms would go together. So Psalm 40 fits into a larger cycle of songs. And actually, Psalm 40 and 41 are connected to Psalm 1 and 2. Because within the, they're the bookends. And all four of them contain the phrase, blessed is the one who, dot, dot, dot. So the editors that compiled it said, we wanna put these together because there's a reason why we want them to bookend this book. 
And then we've got the five books within the compilation. Now here's the thing about this. Because God is a God who communicates to us through metaphors. Something that represents something else without like or as. I am the water of life. I am the bread of life. That's a metaphor. But metaphors are layered with meanings. So with the Psalms, Psalm 40 has meaning of its own, but then back up and it has meaning within a larger book, and then you back up more and it has a certain meaning within the larger group of the entire book of Psalms. Things are layered with meaning. God does this all the time, and the Hebrew writers love to play with these layers. In fact, Hebrew language, every letter of the Hebrew alphabet has a corresponding number. So the letter is also a number, it does double duty. Isn't that interesting? So sometimes the Hebrew writers would use a certain word or letter because the writer wanted to layer that number. It has a number meaning within it. Isn't that cool? So it's, just, it's, it's like, kind of like a puzzle. And you, you just go into it, it's deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And there's more and more and more meaning. All right, so now we've got this book layered with meaning, but then every psalm is structured in different ways and there are different ways that the writers and the lyricists, the songwriters would structure the lyrics of their songs. So let's go to psalm, uh, slide number seven. There are numerically patterned verses. So Psalm 119, there are, there are eight lines, eight verses, for every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, okay? So they, there was something important about that number, eight, eight verses for every letter. And then you've got Psalms that have a repeated refrain. Psalm 136, God's love endures forever. His love endures forever, it just keeps getting repeated. Yep, I walk with the water and his love endures forever. I went to the grocery store and his love endures forever. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Over and over and over again. Now, why am I telling you this? You are gonna write your own psalm, right? So yes. So I wanna give you some ideas because it's not just about writing something from your journal. There are different ways to do it. Think about it creatively. There are acrostic psalms where every verse, every line begins with a different letter of the alphabet in order. So maybe you write a psalm where the first verse starts with A and then the second line starts with B, third line starts with C and on the way. That's the way the Hebrews would have done it. Hebrew literature often puts the, the thing in the center is the most important. So even within the book of Psalms, the Psalms in the center of the very book, really important. Within the book of one through 41, that Psalm in the middle is important. So they would, even within the psalm, it would be what's in the center is often the one thing that's more important. So they even have a, a, a type, it's called a chiastic structure, which Psalm 40 has. So let's go to psalm, uh, slide number nine, if we could. So I want you to take a look at this. If you look at how Psalm 40 is structured, verses one through three and verse 17 bookend it, and those are both personal cries for help. 
Then you come closer to the center in verses four through five and verses 11 through 16, they parallel one another. Four through five is blessing and God's greatness to us. 11 through 16 is God's mercy and greatness for all. And then we get to the center, verses six through 10, and it's, here's what David is really saying. It's not about being religious. It's not about our rituals. Not about coming to church. It's about our hearts. It's about having that intimate relationship with God. That's the crux. That's the center of the message. So while it seems, oh, like just a bunch of verses, it's actually thematically and structured and layered with meaning for all of us, which is kind of cool. So let's talk about the structure of community. Because just as David structured the Psalms, his psalm and the book of Psalms is structured, there is a certain structure that God has to community. We were meant for community, right? Which by the way, there is an enemy. And throughout this great story from Genesis to Revelation, we cannot forget the fact that there is an enemy who, who wants to do the exact opposite of God. Satan, God is for life, Satan is for death. God is truth, Satan is the liar and a prince of lies. God is for community, connection. Guess what Satan's for? Isolation, loneliness. We've all been struck by the, the school shooting in Uvalde and just the tragic things that have happened there this, this last week. I pulled up an article I was reading about the FBI's profile of of mass shooters, guess what it is? Loners, alone, isolated, angry, depressed. That's what our enemy wants us to be. Because guess what it leads to? It leads to death. Brothers and sisters, may I say to you, that especially as we move in to the future where God is calling us to do, we have to be connected to God and to each other. But God even layers that. <laughs> God layers everything with meaning. Have you ever noticed, like when I was in school, do you ever notice that the atom looked like, looks like a little, when you look at a diagram of an atom, it looks like a little solar system? Yeah, so the building block of matter is actually like this little solar system, but then you get to the earth and we've got this moon running around the earth, which is just like a larger picture of the same thing. Well, then you've got the solar system, which is nine planets going around the sun, which is just kind of like a bigger thing. And then our solar system is going around the galaxy, which is just another, it's just layered. God does things. He structures things in, in certain ways. Well, he structures even connection in certain ways. So let me, let me unfold this. What? We have cosmic connection. Colossians 1.17 says, in Christ, we're all connected. Christ holds us all together. No matter where you go. That's why in Psalm 139, 
He says, where can I hide from you? I can go to the ascend to the heavens, you're there. I can descend to the depths, you're there. I can go to the ends of the earth, you're there. You're always there. Why? Because he's always holding all things together. Which for me means that no matter where you are, there is Christ. Which also means that Christ, Christ was in Evaldi in that classroom. Which means that Christ is everywhere in the world at all times. Which means that even the people who hate me, he's holding them together. I, have, I write a blog, a devotional blog, read a chapter of Bible every weekday and then blog about it. And for a period of time, there's someone, I don't, know, I don't really know, I went to the same high school, I guess, um, but on social media, when I would post my chapter day blog, uh, there's a period of time where he would always make really sarcastic, cynical, angry messages. And at one point got very threatening, which in today's world, you know, when you get threatened, you just, I mean, it gets to be kind of scary. Who's going to show up at your door? And I, I thought about how do I handle that? And I learned that, you know what? Here's what I know. I know that Christ is holding him together. I also know from scripture that God does not wish for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And if he is reading my blog, even if he doesn't believe it, he's reading God's word every day. Because I always put God's word right there. So I just chose not to, not to block him, not to defriend him, not to do that, and just put my trust. Because guess what? There's a connection there. I don't know what it is, but God does. Everything's connected in a cosmic way with Christ. And then we belong to the circle of love. So the atom, and then the solar system, and then the galaxy, but even the circle of love, when we study that, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what is it? It's a circle of love, round and round. We're all connected, we're all one. So we're individual, and yet we're one in this really weird way. Yes, but Christ invites us into that circle. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. Jesus says, in the garden, he's praying, he says, my prayer is not just for my 12 disciples, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. And guess what, that's you, and that's me. So you can even, you can even just cross that out and put your name there. Because what Jesus was saying is, my prayer is not just for my disciples, I pray for Tom Vanderwell in 2022 in Pella, Iowa. That he'll believe in my, me through my message, through these disciples' message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they be in us. We are invited into the circle of love. So it, intimacy with God is about being part of that circle. And when you are a part of the circle of love, it changes the way you see everyone. A couple years ago, woman was convicted of shooting a young man and was sentenced to prison. And during the sentence, can you get the video ready for me? Uh, during the sentencing, the brother of the slain man got up to have, be able to say whatever he wanted to the woman who had killed his brother. And I'd like you to watch 
what happened in that courtroom. I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. Anybody else tearing up? <laughs> no matter how many times they see it. Why does Jesus say, I want you to love your enemies and I want you to bless those who curse you and I want you to pray for those who persecute you? Because that was, that's what Christ did for us out of the circle of love. He came to love us and show us that same mercy. It changes the way we are connected. And then another layer is just the body of Christ. Our body of Christ. And everything about it, the body's made up of different systems. And then when I talk about the body of Christ, I've often thought as I was growing up that that meant that, you know, we're all supposed to be really intimate with one We're all supposed to just like be, you know, one together. But here's the thing. Even Jesus had these concentric circles of relationship. He had the 12 disciples, but within that he had J Peter, James, and John, who was kind of his inner circle. And then there was a group of 72, a larger group of disciples. And then there was a group of, of hundreds of followers. And his relationship with the people in the group of 125 and 500 was maybe not the same as his inner circle, but it didn't mean that the connection was any less important. And he was connected to all. And I think that that's what the body of Christ is, is like as well. There's different systems in the body. You got the circulatory system and the respiratory system and the skeletal system and the endocrine system. And the, the parts in cells within those systems, you know, like the, you know, the skeletal system doesn't all you know, react all the time with the endocrine system. They're two different systems. They probably don't, but they're still part of the whole. They're connected and they need each other. That's the way it is with us. I have... Throughout my years of following Christ, I almost always had one to four guys in my life who I am part, daily, part, we're walking life together. We usually meet once a week, maybe a little bit less than that. And it's been different people in different seasons. I moved to different cities. And so wherever I go, I try and find those people that I could just walk the journey with. That's what we need. We need to belong to one another in the body of Christ. If you're alone, God doesn't want you to be alone. If you don't know how to do relationship, find out. <laughs> Work on it. 
We're called to it. Start with just finding somebody that you have an affinity for. But it, even that, know that as the body of Christ, we're still connected. Do you know in the, in the Apostles' Creed, it says we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Anybody freak out about that? Like, oh, we're not Catholics, are we? No. The word means universal. It just means that anyone who's a believer in Jesus Christ, we're connected to. I had a couple of weeks ago, um, out of a blog, actually one of my blog posts on, on one of the Psalms, I got an email from a young woman who, uh, and worship team, you can come on up. Uh, her name is Heather Holdsworth. And she had a question for me about the, the, my blog post and wanted some resources. And, and part of she said, I I'm, I'm live in Scotland. And I'm like going, oh, well, my, so I emailed her back and I gave her some thoughts and resources. I said, you know, our, our daughter and her family live in Scotland. And she's like, she writes me back, oh, where? I'm like going, oh, Edinburgh. I we used to live in Edinburgh. And so then all of a sudden she's, I go, I go, well, what's your story? Why are you? She goes, well, I'm doing this thing on the Psalms. Well, I want to know, I wrote her back. I want to know more about that. Once you find out that, well, yeah, my parents died and I was going through the grief and then I got COVID and I pretty much, I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I was pretty much paralyzed. And so I started doing this thing in the Psalms where I would read the Psalms and then I would start doodling. And so all of these doodles kind of, well, some, they're being published as, you know, a book of, of art. And I'm like, well, our church is doing a book on the Psalms, a study on the Psalms. She's like, oh, Really? Well, would you like me to send you? Yeah, okay. So Heather sent me this picture. And she did this. Who may ascend the holy hill? <laughs> Who may dwell together in his holy place? And every line, everything that you see here is a word. If you get it up to it really close, the walls there are the word abide, 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 abide. The tabernacle. Everything in there is a word, sometimes really, really small. You have to get your magnifying glass to, to, to understand them. Isn't that cool? So I wanted to show you that because I want to I end where, where I started. We want you to interact with the Psalms. We want you to write a Psalm of your own. We want you to be inspired by the Psalms. And I want you to be connected to God and to one another. Let's pray. God bless us. I pray, Lord, for those who might be alone this morning. I pray that you would be near. I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling to find relationship and intimacy and friendship. I pray that you would bless them with the openness to seek it out. I pray, Lord, for those who don't know you, that their hearts would be open to this morning Say, God, come into my life. I want an intimate relationship with you. And I pray it in the name of the Christ. Amen. We have elders who are going to be serving communion. Prayer team members are going to be here if anyone needs prayer. Let's uh, end some time of worship.